Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Playground Podcast. I'm Chris Byrne and I'm playing all alone today. My co-host and cohort, Richard Gottlieb, is taking a much-deserved break. The Playground Podcast is brought to you by Global Toy Experts, The Toy Guy, and Kid Stuff Public Relations. As most of you listening know, the toy industry is unique in many ways. But one feature of the business stands out particularly and generally comes as a surprise to outsiders. No other consumer products business introduces so many new products every year. By some estimates, as many as 60% of the toys on the market are new in any given season. What other business has that level of turnover? Sure, there are classics that endure, but even stalwarts such as Monopoly, Barbie, and Power Rangers have had to continue evolving in order to stay relevant to a changing culture and the ever-changing kids who live in it. And as everyone who has been in this business for any time knows, for every Shopkins or LOL surprise, there are many, many more that never found an audience. And for each of those, there have been many more quote-unquote can't-miss ideas that never got beyond that great idea stage. And yet, the drive to create the next big thing, to make that enormous million-selling hit, is what keeps people going, inventing, and trying to find that elusive mega-hit. Thinking back over the years and all the thousands upon thousands of toys that have been launched, the ones that make a huge hit and are remembered for generations are comparatively few in number. But as Shakespeare says, when they seldom come, they wished for come, and nothing pleaseth but rare accident. Now, I'm not suggesting that runaway hits happen by accident. There's a lot that goes into creating them. But getting there is often more an art than a science. And for all the B-School modeling, projections, and data, I have to tell you, art generally wins. You can do all your imagining, all your research, but there will always be components of a hip that are out of your control. One of the biggest reasons for that is because the audience is kids, and they are, and always have been, very hard to pin down. When you get right down to it, if you're playing in the toy business, you're acknowledging that you're putting your business in the hands of the immediate desires of a four to nine-year-old. Hard to see the suits at P&G doing that, but that's also the magic of this business. It boils down to one thing. You've got to get to the wow. Now, there are many paths to get there and many different wows. In fact, in a dynamic culture, wow is a moving target too. And like Aladdin at the beginning of the Disney movie, you always have to stay one jump ahead, even when what's ahead can't be seen. You've got to take risks. If you're lucky enough to create a hit, you've got to manage it. The legendary PR executive Linda Pisano, who launched Trivial Pursuit and Pictionary, often said that launching a toy is like riding a bicycle uphill. You put all your energy into making it up to the top, but if you want to get down safely, you have to manage the descent just as carefully. But you also have to go big or go home. And I've personally seen a lot of really creative, engaging ideas fall by the wayside for lack of a coordinated strategic effort to drive the idea into the market and onto kids' wish lists. There's no formula, but when I look at the toys that have been hits, I think it's the essential balance of left brain, right brain, whimsy and discipline, creativity and ingenious marketing that are major contributors to success. And not incidentally, it's what makes the toy industry so exciting. And that's how we get to Zuru's Rainbow Cars, a toy line that combines an outrageous sense of the timeless fun kids love with a savvy marketing and promotion strategy that is completely contemporary. Unicorns, monkey corns, always something new. You can collect all 12 Rainbow Corns, each sold separately. First launched to the trade in September 2017, 
Rainbow Corns hit retail shelves nearly a year later in August of 2018. After a strong start, the brand exploded and it's now in more than 100 countries worldwide and has grown nearly 240% in sales over a year, spawned three versions of the original and brand extensions, and it's about to be part of a worldwide licensing program. Rainbow Corns have, in a word, arrived. A quick side note, one of the things I firmly believe about the toy industry is that the word brand is thrown around with too much abandon. I've always believed that the consumer tells you when your product is a brand. At least in the case of Rainbow Corns, they've spoken in a big way. So I thought it would definitely be a fun bit of ongoing toy history, and hopefully useful, to devote this episode to looking at how strategy, creativity, and a bit of luck turned Zuru's Rainbow Corns into a smash hit, particularly in the context of the current crowded market. I talked to the creators, the marketers, and executives, and it's fascinating to see how in just about two years from when it hit the market, how a crazy idea has turned into a legit global brand. Two rainbow corns, each sold separately, new from Zuru. Rainbow corns, if you don't know, are eggs with surprises inside. Oh yeah, the egg is big and has a unicorn horn on it. There are lots of toys to unwrap and sparkly stuff for days. There are more than 25 surprises in the big eggs. It's unboxing, it's characters, it's collecting, it's fashion, it's a lot. All of which, to my mind, confirms what we've always known about kids. If a little bit of something is good, then a whole lot of it is fabulous. I asked Adam Wood, Zuru's creative director, how they came up with the idea. Part of the reason I guess the guys kind of got me on board was to, to help sort of um, strengthen their, their trend lines, to do something a little bit different and to, and to add some extra kind of flair. So we basically kind of sat down or I sat down with the, um, the owners uh, over at their place in New Zealand, well, what is it now, nearly three years ago. We were looking, we were basically kind of like surfing the web and just looking at everything that was really hot at the time. There was on YouTube, everyone, all the kids were doing these amazing kind of big Easter egg hunts in their backyard, sequins and really uh, sparkly bling hearts and things were obviously trending. And it was pretty kind of hard to ignore the unicorn trend. And that's obviously been something that's, uh, that really has manifested and just strengthened over, over time. So it literally was, Chris, we, we literally sat down with a giant whiteboard and a big fat Sharpie marker and just wrote all of these things down on the whiteboard. Uh, and I started sketching and I, and I actually drew a giant egg with a big horn hanging at the top. And everyone kind of laughed at it and said, that's, that's, quite, that's quite kind of cool. Imagine if we actually did produce, you know, an egg that was roughly the size, that we were thinking roughly the size of a football or a, a big egg, something that had quite a bit of presence. But what if we did something really unique to it? What if we had this kind of, you know, unicorn horn that was protruding at the top so there was clearly some kind of um, either baby unicorn toy or, or unicorn surprise hiding inside? And it really just evolved from there. And now, you know, what are we? We're two and a half years down the track with the brand and we, we just keep adding more kind of ridiculous things inside. We've got some really, really cool stuff that we're doing with the actual kind of, uh, I guess, the horn that's kind of poking at the top. And we just wanted to make something really, really quirky that no one had done before. I quite often use cooking analogies. We add a little bit of this, we follow a little bit of a commercially successful recipe to a degree. And then we season, we taste, and we keep kind of stirring until things just sort of cook up right. With rainbow corns, it was, we had that plan, but we just kept layering and we kept adding and adding and adding and, and, and really that sort of broke the mold, I guess, to a degree where we sort of thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we just, okay, what if we add wings, you know, and what if we add a, a magical sequin heart 
and the sequin had a heart has another surprise. When you brush the sequins, you obviously find out, you know, what your rainbow corn loves. And then inside this giant egg with a horn, we're going to add another little egg inside, which we call a boo-boo corn. And that boo-boo corn egg has another surprise inside. And then we, we just kept layering and layering to the point where it actually got quite ridiculous. But that is that, that tends to be the fun and the irreverence of the product that clearly has resonated with, with everyone around the world. Having come up with this idea, of course, the challenge was to be able to produce the product and get it to market. One of Zuru's competitive advantages in the current toy climate has been their ability to automate production and deliver high quality while hitting very attractive price points. It's one of the old sayings of showbiz, give them more than they expected. Renee Lee, Zuru's vice president of global marketing, picks up the story of how the toys got to market. And that's what I think has also been the success of Rainbow Corns, the size and scale and what's inside. And you see it through all the reviews. Like People are just absolutely wowed by what they get for $25. And that you know, has been our strength and our competitive advantage. So looking at being based out of China, our team works so closely and cohesively with all of our factories and our suppliers to be able to get the best possible price, which just leads to a much more efficient and effective product for our for our customers and our and ultimately the end consumer. And that again is, you know, you can see through the success of Rainbow Corns, that's what kids love. That's what being able to get more out of the surprises, um, 25 layers of surprise in every egg, which we know has been proven to just engage children. And actually, you'll see it in the new items coming out. We're even constantly challenging ourselves in new series to put more in, to push ourselves to add more play value, which again, is just such a strength of Zuru. But of course, there's always risk. Lee continues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think most people in the toy industry has an ounce of let's just go for it. You can never really know until it's on shelf. I guess throughout our development process, we did a lot of tracking and especially reviewing on YouTube and what kids were engaged with. Anything that cropped up that was on trend, we looked at how we included into the Rainbow Corns egg. So even we saw, you know, unicorns on trend and then we saw llamas pop up as the next item. So we were able to roll in characters in that way. Um, we saw, you know, feedback immediately when we launched that the boo-boo corns were really well associated with. So we upped their ante and started including more of those. And it just becomes an iterative process to stay up with, you know, what's on trend and what the what kids as they play with it are demanding from future series. Even with great reviews, enthusiasm in the marketplace, on-trend play with unboxing and reverse sequence, and so much in the egg, which in itself was a showstopper, marketing in the toy industry has never been more important, more diverse, or harder to pin down. Having made the commitment, though, to launch the product, the Rainbow Corns team knew that in a crowded and competitive marketplace, you can't go by halves. Anisha Vieira, Zuru's global brand director, talked about the launch. When we launched in 2018, within the first couple of months, um, we had a pretty clear indicator that this was something special. It was our first innovation range of this scale that was a combination of that innovation on the product design and, and what it was completely made of, as well as innovation on the marketing side. So we had a very robust campaign around digital content, around TVC content, as well as webisode content. And of course, the other pillars of marketing across your PR and trade. So that was a real big indication for us that, okay, if we're 
putting something out there, we've got all of this robust backing, there's, you know, the dominoes are going to start to fall. Within a couple months of that brand leaving shores in the far east and, you know, the first product shipping, we had repeat orders coming in from retailers quicker than we could even process. And to have your consumers and your customers believe in a product, a new brand in a saturated category and in an industry like this with such strength that they're willing to invest even more before the product hits shelf and that the early glimpses are giving them an indication of the brand performance. That for us was a big aha moment that we were definitely going places and people believed in the vision of Rainbow Corns. And then that Christmas, once we saw the numbers start to roll in and the effect that having all of those eggs blocked out in store had on the performance of the brand. We, you know, the, the, the pieces started falling into place. We launched with a core range, but we always had the intention of either scaling up, down or across because it is such a transferable play pattern and brand ethos. And what we could do was we had this equation of surprise eggs, plush unicorns and we could sort of move things around to create new equations new price points new iterations of the brand so it was definitely once we got into spring of of 19 and we saw that the brand had flown off shelves for that previous christmas and was still doing well through spring we sort of set the wheels in motion for the expansion of the brand but before we get into talking about how the brand has exploded We're going to take a quick break so you can hear from our sponsor, Kid Stuff Public Relations. We'll be right back. The Playground Podcast is brought to you in part by Kid Stuff Public Relations. And we've got some PR insights from Lisa Orman. We're talking a little bit about why play matters. During these times that we're facing, we found that play and quality play things do matter more than ever. It's really quite a privilege to work in an industry that offers that to children. And you can hear my entire conversation on this topic with Lisa at KidStuffPR.com and check out what KidStuff might be able to do for your products. And we're back. This is Chris Byrne on the Playground Podcast, and we're talking all things rainbow corns. I asked Renee Lee to talk more about their marketing tactics in the early days of the launch and how they've continued to drive the brand. We knew we had a pretty special product on our hands and really wanted to bring it to life through the marketing of it in a really different way. And I think if, if we're talking about, you know, over two years ago now, when especially YouTube influencers were on the rise, I think, you know, people were starting to dabble, but really not lean into it as an influencer first led strategy to launch a toy. Um, and so we sat down and said, you know what, we've this whole item is designed to be unboxed. It's got those additional layers of surprise elements inside, everything we've seen trending trends first on YouTube. So we wanted to specifically design our campaign to fit that. And that's where the idea of working in partnership with our leading influencers came about to actually create shared content with them um, that we actually produced and scripted, but they were the stars of the show. And they actually delivered this really great storytelling narrative around them designing the Rainbow Corns. And that is actually a really fun piece of content that they go through all these different iterative styles of adding unicorns. It's too small and it's too big. It's too fluffy. And it's like they want sequins on it. And that just brought to life, firstly, what Rainbow Corns was all about, which is about adding in anything you possibly want and love to a toy and then 
tying that in with what was so strong in the marketplace at that point, and it was influencers. And I guess what the success we saw once we launched that content with them and they launched it across their channels, we launched it on our channels. There was a lot of copycat videos that came out of it on girls wanting to replicate the idea that they created their own rainbow corn. And I think that was really the defining moment and what set this brand apart and led to the success that it has grown to over the last two and a half years. That influencer content was a great starting place and certainly was successful in driving launch. But the question arises whether or not that would be enough to sustain engagement and preference for the brand among its increasingly loyal audience. And that indicated a need for additional content. The toy world has come a long way since Ruth Handler wanted only the barest minimum storyline around Barbie. She believed, rightly for her time, that Barbie should be a blank canvas onto which her fans projected their own stories. That all began to change in the late 60s and into the 70s when more and more TV entertainment targeted children hit the airwaves. Stories and characters became the jumping off place for play, a change that moved into hyperspace with Star Wars. In today's market, where it's difficult to know where kids' eyes are and where they're spending their, sometimes limited, screen time, content is an essential engagement tool. The team at Zuru knew this and set the wheels in motion. Here's Renee Lee again. For us, content has always been about fitting the right content experience for the product. And so we have a very very broad range of different IP that we sit across. But when we looked specifically at rainbow corns, um, there was that initial narrative to tell on the design and what rainbow corns meant. But there also is these great set of characters. And you can only really bring them to life when you invest further into um, we went down the animation route. You know, a lot of companies go down the live content route. We thought we wanted to give these characters their own world. So that was a really important piece for us so that kids can imagine playing um, and, you know, imagine the personality of the characters they have in front of us. And so I think, you know, we're in a position though now where I guess everyone has moved into that space quite heavily. So it is becoming quite saturated. So I guess the next challenge for us is, you know, what is the next bit of content? How, if everyone is delivering additional content, how do you start to do things differently and stand out from that? Anisha Vieira gave me some more insight into what their initial content program entailed. The animated web episodes were a series of about um, 10 episodes that we did focused around the series one characters. And we felt it was pretty important to establish a very character-driven brand. All of these unique characters, there were 12 in series one, which had very different personalities, different stories. And those came to life on a product side in what was included in the egg, um, their different characteristics, the color and pattern of their sequin heart. But we wanted an opportunity to tell that story further and to build a brand connection and a character connection. And we thought we can't do this only in a 30 second TV spot. So let's build out this world of Rainbowville and the rainbow cones across these episodes. So we use that to, like I say, develop the characters, develop the ethos of the brand a bit more. They go on different adventures. They tell the story of how rainbow cones come to be when they hatch with a little bit of unicorn magic. And we sort of use that to establish the brand. And they performed really well for us from um, second half of 2018. We released them you know, one every couple of weeks up until Christmas. Um, and they covered the full series one. We felt like the content was still 
working for us into series two in its its current form. Um, so we didn't create a new series because we felt like we could still get more out of that narrative. And it continued performing really, really well. Um, the thematic executions around Halloween or Christmas just give kids a real relatable touch point with your characters and with the brand itself. So we are now very excitingly developing a second series of webisodes that features the entire new range of those expanded Rainbow Corn brands. I think the content has definitely been critical from a toy perspective, um, definitely, but also in this being a brand that's expanding into the licensing space as well. And that's the next step in this evolution. This year, Rainbow Corns is launching a full-on licensing program, a clear indication that consumers are saying this is a brand and one that kids want to experience in many different product categories. It's a new venture for Zuru, as Lee explains. And this was such an exciting piece for us because it was actually um, it's our first brand that we've looked into outbound licensing. And again, it just came by when you're in a great position where people are contacting you for this opportunity. And we really said, okay, you know, even after a year and a half, there seems to be this demand um, and we should go into this and, and create. So we've brought on some really fantastic partners um, across the UK and Europe to look at, you know, how does the Rainbow Corn brand come to life through stationery, through apparel, through sleepwear. Um, and it was just exciting to see, I guess, when you move into those spaces, you've got to really reestablish what your brand aesthetic is, who re-establish who these characters are, how do they translate? Because when you start going into, especially apparel, they've got to have that kind of key messaging, different types of artwork, different types of illustrations. Um, and so that was a really fun process, I think, for our brand team to really get to do that because sometimes you, you, know, you have your style guide for the toy and you have your vision of that, but you know, it can completely change up when you've got to take it into other categories. Of course, licensing and its practices and paradigms have changed in the last few years. And during COVID, we're likely in another transition that will have far-reaching implications and opportunities for properties derived originally from toys. While it's certainly not been unheard of for a toy brand to become a successful license, think Barbie, Hot Wheels, G.I. Joe, Transformers, the pace with which a toy can move from toy box to brand to licensing program has decidedly picked up, largely due to the evolution of media, the expanded ways in which kids can engage with a property, and the speed with which a hot property can become a global phenomenon. Just look at what happened with the likes of LOL Surprise and Shopkins. It's certainly a reflection of the overall trend towards fandom. And while that word is often used to talk about adults engaged with movie, fantasy, or comic properties, it applies to kids as well. What we're seeing is the continued rise of more narrow audiences, potentially, but also ones that are more passionate and likely to buy deeply. So it's no surprise that Rainbow Corn's licensing program is off to a tremendous start. Anisha Vieira. It has a lot to do with um, sort of the, the feedback that we got from retail and the overall brand performance. Um, we realized doing our consumer research and, and having sort of a finger on the pulse constantly of, of our consumers that they were relating to this brand more than understood toy level. They were building out their own narratives. They were you know, relating to the little collectible element, to the compound element, to the sticker element, to the 
whole narrative of rainbow cones. Um, and that was reflected, like I say, in the consumer buying patterns, in the content that we saw being uh, generated by users on YouTube and across social media. And of course, that was being translated back to retailers. We had sell-through going through the roof, and that was a, a touch point in, in, okay, where else can we take this brand? And from the get-go, I think we just had so much fun with these characters, with the worlds we were developing. We didn't just want to develop singular products. Adam, the creative director, myself, um, Renee Lee, the VP of Global Marketing, we really put a lot into building out this whole world. And it became quite an easy springboard to get into that licensing space and have people share the vision. The whole coming together of these different elements translates so well to different categories. So you've got your wings, your unicorns, your compounds, your accessories. There was a lot to work with to expand out. Given that this is also Zuru's first foray into outbound licensing, they brought in an expert. Licensing industry veteran Janice Ross, founder of Brand Fresh Management, has 25 years in the industry and has masterminded many successful programs, including many for Lego. I asked Janice about what she saw as the potential for the licensing program for Rainbow Corns. I, first of all, I've uh, known the team at Zuru for a number of years. Nick and Anna, they are just, I think, really people that I admire and are just changing our industry. So I've always been inspired by what it is that they're doing. And I've had a, a relationship with them for, for quite some time. So when they approached me about Rainbow Corns, I thought this is such an exciting opportunity to work with them and to take what has now started to kind of bubble into a brand and really put together a more robust licensing program um, and long term. So that was just how it evolved. We had conversations and I think when I first looked at Rainbow Corns, I thought to myself, wow, if I was if I was a, a seven-year-old girl, I would love this. I would love this product. There's so much play value. It was a great, great price point. So my just my gut told me that this was just a really, really fun product, but also a really fun brand. I think what they did so well, Chris, is they really put so much play value into plush, which I hadn't really seen before. I really thought that the toy itself had so much play value. It was uh, really vibrant characters. They, you know, created collectability. So they had a lot of the, the elements that really made for a really great toy. Um, I think what elevated it to a brand too, which uh, Zero did really well, is that they identified some key trends that were happening, um, and really infused all of those key trends. So it was like unicorns, it was rainbows, it was glitter, it was sequins, it was reversible sequins. So they they really had their eye on the ball in terms of ensuring that this was like the best toy ever. And I think that's where it starts in terms of just the toy itself. From a consumer products program, what, how do we make that leap? Well, actually, and this is, I think is absolutely key, is with a great style guide, in fact. I think that one of the things that was so key for me when I looked at this, I said to the Zuru team, and is, you know, let, let's not take toy packaging and try to make that into a consumer products program, <laughs> right? <laughs> let's, right? Let's invest in really great art assets that are going to get licensees excited and give them what they need to make great products. And that's exactly what we did. And because the brand had such, again, great characters, it was a pretty easy order to fill to create a great style guide. So we started out of the gate with what I think is probably the most important category next to toys. Of course, we have our master toy partner with Zuru. So it's just such a perfect scenario where you've got the master toy partner who is also the IP owner. 
and investing in the brand in a really meaningful way. So from there, I brought on Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee is our master apparel partner and what they did and what they do so well, they were able to translate all of those key brand attributes into great apparel products. What does that look like? It's t-shirts with reversible sequins. It's, you know, um, like really playing into the characters, the vibrancy of the characters, a lot of like glitter, you know, very kind of, um, uh, you know, high touch type t-shirts that, you know, they actually even did uh, scented t-shirts. So they really just hit it out of the park in terms of the um, translating the brand into apparel. I wondered what inspired Zuru to take this calculated risk. Ross continues. It's really an investment in longevity, right? So I think that's really the key for a brand, especially like Rainbow Corns. And that's also what Zuru does so well, right? They are continuing to evolve the brand beyond just the year one plush and the uh, success that they had, really. So what they did is they expanded into additional SKUs. They expanded, they did line extensions into little collectibles. And so really what happened is they didn't just like rest on their laurels and say, this is great. We're going to just, you know, change the color of the egg for next year. What they did is they evolved the product line to create, again, um, great, fun, you know, toys for kids that would want to come back and, and get the next season. So I think that's really kind of their secret sauce. One of the things that really works so well, too, in terms of Zuru and our licensing program like I shared, we've got a really robust program with people like Jerry Lee, Benden, Inkology. We have Montco for their activity pop-out sets. I've got Dreamwave for swimwear. Um, Cinco does watches and hair accessories and bracelets and charms. Comfy critters with like character blankets and, and, and Dana wares, which is a very robust line of everything from hydration to jewelry block boxes and placemats. But I think really what connects all of that back to Zuru is that Zuru is so invested in supporting the licensees as well. And I think that all of the things that they do, because they have a huge success story with the toys. And then what we do is we connect dots, right? We connect the dots to all of our licensees so that they too are building their success story with their buyers at retail. And I think that's really the key. And that's something that Zuru has been so generous with, whether it's featuring my license, the licensee's product in their showrooms, whether it's including them in their social influencer programs when they go out to you know promote the toys. It's a very, very integrated approach. And that's where I think Zuru just does such a phenomenal job and the licensees really appreciate it and benefit from it. I had one more question because what Zuru has accomplished in just under three years is pretty remarkable by toy industry standards. Historically, however, certainly from the post-World War II years until the 1980s, the industry was highly market responsive and nimble. Many small to mid-sized companies are run that way again, and it's paying off. I asked Adam Woods what it was about Zuru's structure that enabled and enhanced their speed to market and their success. I think that's probably a, a testament to our, our flat hierarchy. I mean, it's not a company that has the elaborate layers of management, even though it, it sounds crazy, even though we have a, you know, a, a huge amount of employees across all over the world. There's a, there's a fantastic accessibility that we try and sort of keep and maintain. And in my experience, when companies have that sort of uh, accessibility, that's where great work comes from because you actually do encourage ideas to flow into the business. I mean, for instance, we, we can have things that are just thrown up by people that are you know, juniors that just started working out in there. It was a great idea that someone had who, from someone who was working in a mock-up room the other day. 
which we're actually now kind of you know starting to sketch up, and we've got a team of illustrators and and product designers working on that idea. Just because they they said it in passing, and it was a fantastic thought. I mean, at some of the larger companies, um, that that kind of I guess ability to be able to kind of pivot and action things as quickly may mean jumping over a few more hurdles in order to get it happening so quickly. So that's, I personally think the answer to the question is is really that nice flat hierarchy and, and probably more of a family uh, orientated kind of work ethic, I think as well. Classic toys interpreted for today's kids and classic management meet advanced production and insightful marketing. So far, and as we wait for the launch of Series 3 of Rainbow Corns, it's cracked the market wide open, and we can't wait to see what's coming out of that egg next. This is Chris Byrne for the Playground Podcast. My co-host, cohort, and co-play partner, Richard Gottlieb, will be back with me next time. The Playground Podcast is brought to you by Global Toy Experts, The Toy Guy, and Kid Stuff Public Relations. Tune in next time, and thanks for listening.